0: Girl, is it still quarantine? It is. I got news for you. I'm so sorry to break it to you. Breaking news. We're still in quarantine. (laughs)
1: You guys, before we get to the show, let us just remind you gently that if you would like more Jillian and me, head on over to the Patreon where you get like 150 full bonus episodes. We just wrapped up I'll Be Gone in the Dark. We're starting Fear City. Right. You guys, it's really living up to what we all expected of Jillian. It's just all mafia all the time. It's no 7-5, but hey, I'm trying my best. (laughs) She's really rising to the occasion, you guys.
0: My big bit is like, it's just watching home videos. It just feels like I'm right. watching. That's my, that's the bit. I'm killing that bit. I'm digging it into the ground. like punching it into the ground. I don't know why. But anyway, we did uh, Tiger King, Don't F with Cats, yeah. Lorena, The Jinx, The Staircase. We did a whole bunch of shit.
1: It's every series you've ever wanted us to cover on like HBO or Netflix or whatever. It's there on the Patreon. I swear to God. Yeah. But it's also like you can get ad-free versions of these episodes. There's after parties. There's quarantine check-ins. There's mm-hmm. ringtones, hang sessions with you and me. I always forget to say this. Some of our live shows, like videos of our live shows are there. Our very first live show is there. I was going to say, I want to say our first live show. Yeah. Scientology, we did Going Clear. Going Clear, the one that we did for, um, what's his name? The guy with the long hair, Charlie. What's his name? Manson, girl? Charles Manson. Yikes. <laughs> Do you even true crime, girl? God. I'm- you guys, it's patreon.com slash Obsessed. Go to our website. Click on the Patreon link. Yeah. We got anything else to say before we get... Oh, the merch. Tell them about the merch.
0: Oh, yeah. We have all this new merch, and we're donating all of the money that we get to charity. All these different charities, and all the information is on our website, truecrimeobsessed.com.
1: All right. Should we get to it, girl?
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I vote yes.
1: Oh, uh, girl what are we talking you guys you guys i I was going to ask jillian what we were talking about but i'm going to tell i'm going to tell you this right now we're talking about the atlanta child murders it's a three episode series from id we are doing this in two episodes so you're listening to episode one right now episode two is available right now in ad free on patreon i'm telling you you want to go and listen to it it's really really crazy
2: from 1979 to 1981 the city of atlanta dealt with the unthinkable All
3: the children are between 8 and 15 years of age.
2: The bodies of black children keep turning up in the woods.
3: And I walked over and it was a human skull. And the rivers. This latest death is apparently connected to the others.
2: More than two dozen victims.
4: The person who did this was a psychopath and a monster. I was holding on to
5: her body Sam, what did they do to you? Families are (laughs) devastated. The one person you had, he's gone. And you didn't get to say goodbye.
2: And long-simmering tensions reach the boiling point.
5: Atlanta was on the borderline of exploding. It has to be the police. Who else could pull this kind of stuff off? It could possibly be the Ku Klux Klan killing
6: these black kids.
7: It was like, okay, they're trying to start a race war.
6: At the root of it all is
3: racism. Everybody was a suspect.
2: Until one big break changes everything.
3: That's a body hitting the water.
4: I said, do you know why we've stopped you? Yeah, it's about the murder of those children,
2: isn't it? 40 years later, parents and family members still have questions. Was justice ever truly served?
8: When you look back over the story, hell no.
2: Their case never was that well investigated, and there's possibly still a
8: murderer out there. One day, you know, we might find out what happened. This one was cool
0: crazy girl yeah so the Atlanta child murders it's real awful this first episode is called into the woods once upon a time
1: Okay, so wait a second. I was going to say, I really don't appreciate them conjuring Daisy's favorite musical at the top of this episode. Bernadette Peters, unfortunately, (laughs) is not here. While we're talking about the tone of this thing, I just wanted to also say that, like, you guys, this is about, like, horrific murders of, like, tens of children in Atlanta in the 80s. The tone of this at the beginning, honestly, it opens with, like, an aerial shot of, like, some sort of, like, statue holding a torch in downtown Atlanta. And the music of it, it feels like it's a promo for the Olympics. It does not feel like a murder documentary.
2: Today, Atlanta's downtown shines brightly as the capital of the New South.
7: I think Atlanta right now is a melting pot for entertainment and business. You look at Atlanta today, it's no city like this city.
5: Hollywood of the South is what they call it because of people filming movies and so much TV here.
0: Right. Because what they're saying is, like, Atlanta is amazing now. It's a thriving, major entertainment city. It's the Hollywood of the South, the new Motown of the South. We're seeing TLC. We're seeing all of these, like, very famous, successful, well-known people. And then it all, like... Like the air is sucked out of the room because it's like, that's Atlanta today. But let's go back. Let's rewind 40 years ago. There is like a dark, horrible secret and history that not a lot of people know about. So forget the Atlanta you know now. Great girl. You're thriving. Great. You look amazing. That color (laughs) looks fantastic on you. But you have a kind of a dark history. And I'm like, okay, here we go. From 1979 to
2: 1981, the city of Atlanta dealt with the unthinkable. The bodies of black children keep turning up in the woods.
3: And I walked over and it was a human skull.
2: And the rivers.
3: This latest death is apparently connected to the others. More than two
2: dozen victims
3: if a
1: sentence were ever to like send shivers down your spine
0: right and because like we learned the case was never fully investigated so many people still have questions and they're all here yeah which I is know. which is really like ugh.
1: I gotta be honest about something right up front girl what's up I did my very best to write everybody's name down and try to like keep it but like there are so many people that eventually I'm like this FBI guy and this cop guy oh and let me say this now and just get it out of the way all these guys were super super hot back in the day yeah it, everyone's wearing like a lot of beige and taupe but they look good yeah it's so weird when you think about fashion of the time you're like you know what looks great beige beige so it's 1973 the African American population of Atlanta is growing and growing and growing and it continues to grow to this day and they say that like the black community was like finally able to elect its first black mayor of Atlanta Maynard Jackson
0: right and the first thing he does he's like oh wow we have to reshape this whole police force and he said he's quoted as wanting more brown people in the police
3: force. He wanted the police department to become more brown was the term he used. Up until that time, it had been mainly a white force. The department was still racist, still discriminatory. This I know from personal
1: experiences and things I had to encounter. He does this radical thing, you guys. Everyone sit down and pull over. I know it's early in the app, (laughs) but he decides he wants the police force to actually look like the community it's serving. Now, hold on a second. I I know it's a (laughs) radical thought. I know. I know. I can't believe he got away with it. Right.
0: So five years after he's elected in 1978, he appoints Lee Brown as commissioner of public safety, and Lee Brown is a black man, that is relevant. Usually we don't yes. we don't do that, it doesn't matter, but at this point it's relevant. And George Knapper is the police chief, and yeah. he's a black man too. And change is on the way, they can't wait, they're gonna shake everything up and really get some shit done.
1: Yeah, and they tell us that like though Atlanta was growing and changing, for the black population of Atlanta, nothing good was happening really.
2: Despite the strong economic growth, the black population of the city remains very poor. A serious crime problem develops that makes Atlanta the murder capital of the United States.
1: Okay, here's my first major issue. We cut to July twenty 1979. We're at Niskey Lake Road. And somebody tells us... There's
4: nothing there. It's just woods, uh, briars, uh, brush. Somebody's looking for aluminum cans out here in this deserted uh, stretch of road in South Atlanta. And stumbles upon the remains of a decomposing body.
1: It's basically like a dumping ground for bodies, to which I said, can we just stop having those? If we know where they are, can we put a McDonald's there? I want floodlights.
0: I want like a big, I I could not agree more. I'm like, why? The term known dumping ground should not exist. If it's a known dumping ground, it should no longer be a dumping ground. I'm not crazy. I know I'll never get elected. I know no one gives a shit. I'm a dumb woman, small brain, weak arms. But my God, the term known dumping ground I'm dying on this fucking hill, and if it was a known dumping ground, maybe that's where I'd be. But it's insane to me that known dumping ground is a thing.
1: Can we get just, like, a daily, like, rounds through the known dumping ground? Can we get a Starbucks up in there? The floodlights. I want it to look, like, high noon, 24 hours a day. That's what I want.
0: (laughs) On a known dumping ground. What are you, Nuts? A known dumping ground.
1: Explain to me why you and I aren't running as, like, you sheriff, me undersheriff. I think we've got great ideas.
0: I want more than sheriff. Now I'm getting greedy because I know it's never going to happen. So now I'm like, sheriff, I want I want more. I feel it. I just
1: want more. But, like, we find out that there's somebody on this, like, abandoned road slash dumping ground looking for cans. So they find a body. They call the cops. The cops are there in two seconds. They're not there five minutes, girl. They find a second body. They find
0: another body one person is shot one is strangled and we learn who they are it's 14 year old edward smith and 13 year old alfred
1: evans and then cop danny says
4: the probability was the bodies have been dumped there but uh, nobody really jumped to the conclusion that the bodies have been dumped by the same person and these are not cases that are going to be front page news
0: this is something that is a trend in the series that is something yeah. I will never understand. Like, this is the very beginning, and this is when you should maybe start thinking about, like, where you're gonna pull over on your drive home, because <laughs> this is just the beginning of them being like, yeah. um, they're totally not related, you guys. <laughs> like, excuse me. <laughs> like, why don't you want it to be a serial killer if the other option is, like, there are just multiple people committing these murders? Don't you wanna I find know. just one and not I 20 know. of these people? Do you know what I'm saying? I like, I know the answer. the... The answer is all bad, but
1: you could just be
0: looking for one person and not 20. The
1: next thing we say is that the police have no leads. I feel like they are standing in the woods looking at these two bodies that they know no one's going to care about when they look at each other and they shrug and they go, well, we got no leads. So over the
0: next three months, two other boys go missing. And it's 14-year-old Milton Harvey, who was found 12 miles away from where he was last seen, and nine-year-old Yusuf Bell.
1: And this is where they tell us that nine-year-old Yusuf Bell was abducted when he was out running errands, to which I said, "Why are nine-year-olds running errands?" I know it just sort of is very
0: telling of what these kids like. Any way to make some extra change, and not even like yes. an extra buck. Like it's it's very sad the situations yes. that these kids, nine-year-old kids, were putting themselves in, and then horrible things happened.
6: But the strange thing about the discovery of Yusef's body, either you know, his feet had been washed or something, and so. That initially set off thoughts that somebody may have been abducting these kids in some kind of strange
1: ritualistic
6: religious ceremony.
1: And then this made me think Damien because like they were saying oh that young boy the nine-year-old Yusuf his feet had been washed Mm. so they were thinking like well maybe the abductions were some sort of like ritualistic religious ceremony like they're basically saying like satanic cult or whatever and I was like that's not actually a thing you guys there are actually not satanic cults in the woods stealing your kids and killing them that just doesn't happen
0: no how about we go to like one guy is doing all of this and not straight to ritualistic (laughs) sacrifices can we just agree (laughs) that there's probably one person doing this we have to go straight to the ritualistic stuff maybe I actually am the sheriff of this town it's ritualistic sacrifices and I'm here to tell you incumbent no I'm so sorry to interrupt oh god I'm so sorry oh, I'm so sorry to interrupt you I know it's so meaningless I hope you're doing well in these troubled times <laughs>
1: So we meet Venus Taylor, and we learn about her daughter, Angel. And, uh, this is so brutal. Like, she says to us, It's amazing how it's been almost 40
8: years, and yet it seems like yesterday, because the pain is still the same. You know, nothing is eased the pain. I thought as time go on that, you know, it would be less and less, but it's not. I cried just as much today as I
1: did um, the day it happened. And she said that like, you think when it happens, it's gonna get easier. And she goes, nope, I cried just as much today as I did the day it happened. That hit me like a piano. So she says, Angel was just different than any other kind of kid I'd ever met, like before or since. She said.
8: When I had her, they said that your baby is the only baby in the nursery that does not cry. And she said, she is just an angel. You need to name her Angel.
0: So we learned like really what an angel angel was. And so Venus's son says, you know, Angel had a dream that something bad is gonna happen.
8: My son said, well, I'm gonna tell you, mom, Angel had a dream that something bad gonna happen. And there's nothing you're gonna be able to do about it. And I started crying. Angel, someone threatening you. She said, just leave it alone, mom, please.
0: Venus of course panics And she's like Angel what is wrong Because Angel's like Vibe totally changed And Venus is like Angel is someone threatening you Like why do you think Something bad is gonna happen And Angel just goes Mom leave it alone Don't worry about it It's just It's whatever And I'm like Oh my As a 12 year old To carry that weight Of like I know That something bad Is gonna happen And then to not be able To tell anybody about it And I don't know What Angel knew We never find out What she knew Or what that premonition Or what it was exactly And it was just like Ugh
1: Yeah and so My March 4th, 1980, Angel is late getting home from school. And I
8: said, what the hell is going on? Something ain't right. This is not like Angel. I n- always know where she at. I just knew something was right. I just knew it.
1: So I, um, I called the police. By 6 o'clock, Venus is beside herself. She, like, I mean, how old was Angel? She was, like, 11 or something? 12. Yeah, like, I mean, for, like, a 12-year-old to not be home from school by 6 o'clock. You guys, it's before cell phones. Like, your kid is out there in the world somewhere, and you have no idea where. As a parent, I can't even imagine that fear. And
0: when every other day she was home at 3.15, then Venus knows, all right, something is not right. So she calls the cops, and she's begging for help. And we just learn nothing happens for six whole days. Not a thing happens.
1: Girl, how does her neighbor have this information? I don't know. My information is
0: everyone needs to pull over right now because I the information <laughs> we hear is is I know. horrifying.
8: Six days have passed and um, I just cried and cried and screamed and cried, couldn't sleep. And then a knock came at my door.
2: It's worse than anything a mother could imagine. A neighbor tells Venus that her daughter's body was found tied to a tree and that she is being taken to the morgue.
1: Of course, Venus, the mom, is, like, losing her mind. She goes to the morgue to identify the body. She's talking about, like, the bruises and the beating. And there's, like, ligature marks and a rope burn around her neck. And she's just saying, like, what kind of torture was my child put through? I cannot... I just can't even, I'm like outside my body talking about it.
0: I know. And so then we meet Vern Smith, who's with us throughout. And he worked for Newsweek, the like the Atlanta bureau chief at Newsweek. And this yeah. is when he says.
6: I don't think we've grown that much, even in 40 years, to where the value of black lives of a certain status are that more uh, valued today than they were 40 years ago.
0: Venus was told, like, this happens all the time to poor black kids, like just kind yeah. of like get over it. This is what happens when, you know, you grow up like Angel. And so Vern is saying, like, we've been screaming about Black Lives Matter for years.
1: Yeah. For yes. years.
0: And and in situations like this.
1: Now, it's March 1980, and the police are looking into the murders of four young people. They were all reported missing. They were all found dead. And they're saying that, like, the police are refusing to even entertain the idea that the killings are connected. Again, going back to what my beautiful friend Jillian said earlier, wouldn't it be better for Atlanta if it was one person rather than four crazed murderers on the loose?
0: I'm not saying anybody wants a serial killer, but when you're given (laughs) the option, like, we can have 20 horrible people running around or one I'm choosing one every time.
1: I know. I know. And so we meet this cop, Bob Huffington, and he's telling us that, like, look, the higher ups are saying these aren't connected. We, like the people, like the grunts on the street are saying, like, they probably
7: are. We kept what was called a homicide book, just one paragraph about each victim. And we started running into more children who were being killed and dumped. We were saying this isn't right. I mean, we've we've never had anything like this. I found that there was a significant difference between the last two years and that year.
0: So it's Bob Buffington and Danny Agin who we met earlier. Bob and Danny are the cops who are like, um, so I know like our bosses are going to the media saying they're not connected. We super think they're connected. We're actually keeping a list to kind of prove that they're all connected. So Bob writes a formal letter. He's doing it right. Going up the chain of command. Good on you, Bob. Really trying.
7: We're saying this isn't right. I mean, we've we've never had anything like this. I found that there was a significant difference between the last two years and that year. And so I wrote it up in a letter and I sent it to uh, our major.
0: And the major is like...
7: He said, uh, you like to work homicide? And I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, well, how'd you like to work auto theft morning watch? He said, if I see another letter like this, that's what you're going to be doing.
3: Wait,
0: wait, why are you not open to this idea? You're, like, openly threatening the guy who wants to look into this? Like, what value... Right. D- like, I don't understand, like, why they would be doing this.
1: Right. It, do- it doesn't make any sense. And so now, like, we get this whole thing about, like, what are the people on the street saying? Like, obviously, all these kids are going missing. A bunch of them are ending up dead. And, like, the rumor on the street is that it has to be the police officers. Like, within the black community, they're saying it's got to be the cops. Because who else can, like, move into and out of our community unnoticed, you know?
0: Right. And then on the other side of that coin, it's, like... Or it's the KKK because, right. you know, the civil rights movement happened not that long ago today, especially not that long ago in 1980. So they're yeah. thinking like maybe the KKK, who's like this super hateful, racist asshole group who just preaches about violence and killing black people, like, well, it might be them too.
7: You would always hear about. It. Uh, uh, Stone Mountain is the KKK headquarters. You know what I'm saying? Like that's where they do all the rallies and burn the crosses.
8: You have to understand that here in Atlanta, this is the Klansman's headquarters here. And so, what other better place than to take them here from Atlanta, Georgia?
1: You guys, why are we allowing this? I don't know. I don't understand how the KKK is just allowed to exist. And I was really thinking about this today. And I understand like freedom of speech, mm-hmm. right? If you support freedom of speech, you have to support all freedom of speech. Fine. I don't, girl. I'm ready to change that rule.
0: Freedom of speech is great. Fuck the KKK. That's totally. I, I, this,
1: I agree with you on this. There are domestic terrorism organizations. Yes. How are they allowed to do that? How are they allowed to exist and just like instill fear in a full in a whole community? You guys! Like, they're here. It might be them. It's like, why are they even here? Yeah, and so we learn, you know, we learn about another one of the boys that gets murdered. We meet a a guy named Kerry Middlebrooks, and he's the brother of Eric Middlebrooks. And, you know, he says...
2: I talk with Eric on the phone. I love my brother. He loved me. He enjoyed seeing me. And periodically, I'd hear about, you know, somebody getting killed. It really didn't hit me that the people that they were describing dead were kids.
1: So on May 19th, 1980, Eric's body was found by the police in an alleyway behind a dumpster.
0: So this is Bob and Danny, the cops with the list? Yeah. And so they get the call first and, you know, they're not entirely sure what happened. But then the most important thing they find is there are these fibers right on the side of his sneaker.
7: So we got down on the body. He had on a little tennis shoe. It had a rubber bumper around it, and it had come unpeeled, unconnected. And there was a little tuft of fibers in the the lip of of the shoe.
0: And they yeah. think, okay, well, maybe this means the body was moved across a
1: carpet. But the thing that's, like, what I found so interesting about this was, like, they tell us at some point, this is 1980. So, like, hair and fiber, like, none of that was, like, an exact science at the time. No barren
4: man in 1980, blood evidence was not conclusive. Hair and fiber evidence was not conclusive. But it was evidence and it needed to be processed and handled as important evidence because there was nothing else there that could be uh, used. Bob was very smart and Recognizing this And collecting it
1: These cops know Like we have nothing We have this fiber And this fiber Is going to be important And it like totally is
0: Yeah like you're saying This is 1980 None of the tests Were really conclusive Back then But Bob and Danny Are like this really Needs to be processed And considered Because this is all we have This is like a new thing We got to do it So Bob is pushing this And like he was ahead Of his time Full stop Because everyone was like Okay (laughs) girl With a little carpet hair Like whatever But this evidence That's super important Is all in the hands Of 24 year old micro Analyst Larry Peterson over at the Crime Lab.
1: So this blew my mind. I was like, first of all, we meet Larry in a second. He's with us today. And He's I, here today. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm so in love with him. And so so Larry's like, look. It was a,
2: what I call a tough, a collection of fibers together, sharing similar characteristics. And the fact that it was on the bottom of the shoe, to me, carried great significance because it would indicate to me, this has got to be a recent transfer from some place where he recently was.
0: He agrees. The fibers on Eric's sneaker are a, what he calls a recent transfer. And so basically, if they could find where it came from, that's a really, really good start.
1: So, okay, so put a pin in Larry. Larry's with us the whole time, both episodes. Oh, Larry
0: comes back. Don't worry about Larry. Larry is Get excited about Larry. Thank God. (laughs) So by June of 1980, 10 black children have disappeared since the July prior, 1979. Seven bodies have been found, three are still missing. And in the press, the cops are like, there's no connection. Police
8: commissioner
4: Lee Brown was uh, saying that these were things that were happening, but they weren't necessarily unusual, and they definitely were not connected. The question was, was there something else or
1: different going on in Atlanta.
0: Don't worry about it. This happens all the time. And I'm like, if it happens all the time, we're worrying about it.
1: But so then, three of the moms, because of course, let the women do the work. Sure. Three of the moms of the missing kids, they actually form, you guys, they form the committee to end child murders. Girl, I typed that sentence and then I had to sit back and type it again. I said, the committee, period, to end, period, child, period, murders, period. That's a committee that needs to be formed.
0: Okay, people need to be told that they need to stop child murders. Okay, that's the. that's where we are great I just want to know kind of what I'm dealing with here yeah so finally after all this pressure from the community the committee to please stop murdering our kids is formed by these mothers like finally (laughs) Commissioner Lee Brown is like oh shit maybe I'll start caring and finally he's like okay we're gonna form a task force and this is just for context this is a year and about a dozen missing and murdered kids later
1: right so now we're up to eight dead kids and three kids are missing and so they say over the next two months three more young black boys go missing it's 13-year-old Clifford Jones. He's then found near a dumpster. But here's the thing.
0: Our friend Larry Peterson? Yeah. Our friend's back because there are fibers just like Eric Middlebrooks, the fibers on yeah. the sneaker. Like now some of the cops and Larry Peterson specifically are like okay, now that there are fibers here the fibers become like the biggest deal later on as these episodes yeah. go on and Larry is screaming about it and so now I'm screaming about it because I love Larry.
1: Right, because the whole idea is that like they're going to use the fibers to connect the cases.
2: If they're being transported to where they were found, they're being transported in a vehicle of some sort, potentially from a location that would maybe be similar, but they could pick up similar fibers, hairs, or any kind of trace evidence from that environment that could then maybe serve as a linkage uh, between different cases.
1: In the absence of, like, any other, like, leads or any anything, the fibers is all they have. So that's how episode one kind of ends. And so now we go into episode two, you guys. It's called Devil's Work. And we are just off and running with more bodies, you guys. So first they find the body of a little girl named Latanya Wilson, who was so badly decomposed that they couldn't even identify the cause of death.
0: And then, like, November 1st, Aaron Jackson disappears. And the news is like... So far, the killer seems to be striking everything. Every three and a half weeks. Wow, so the news is saying there's a serial killer on the loose. They are recognizing the patterns, but still the (laughs) cops are like, I don't know if it's the same guy, you guys. I'm not 100% sure.
7: This latest death is apparently related to the others, but investigators are stumped. The thing that
6: I remember most, the sort of slow build-up of uh, a situation where a community becomes slowly terrorized by an unknown danger.
0: And then we meet Isaac Rogers. And we meet Isaac when he's like outside playing catch with his son.
1: Yeah, and we find out about his brother. His brother was Patrick Rogers and they called him Patman. The older brother Patman was 16, Isaac was 7. He's like
5: Patman, he was my closest sibling. He was more than a brother to me. To me he was an angel. He was 16 years old. I was seven. But he almost went out of his way to try to shelter me, you know, more so than a normal 16-year-old would.
1: We find out this guy, Pat, Patrick was a performer. There are like talent
0: shows abound. And, you know, he was really popular and really talented. And he was trying to get into the music industry. And so Isaac is like, yeah, being in the music industry led him to some unsavory characters. And I'm like, cut to Atlanta today. And they're like, hey, we're pretty great. We're the new Motown. We're
1: like the the Hollywood (laughs) of the South. What are you talking about? these unsavory characters i know it's really sad you know he was saying that he was like trying to get discovered and isaac is saying to us now like i
5: do remember patman talking about having some prospects that he thought were promising he was excited he thought that he was about to get a break that something big was about to happen that he thought that he'd had hooked up with the right person.
1: He was telling me like right before he vanished that he met somebody who was really going to help him. Like he felt like he had hooked up with the right person who was going to like really get him into the business. And so like Patrick walks him to the bus one day. I guess he like he walks him to the bus every day and he says goodbye. And then when Isaac gets home from school, Patrick's not there. And he says like...
5: I can remember it wasn't panic. You know, we knew what was going on at the time. But it was just, hey have you seen Pac-Man? Has anybody seen him? He Never came home, still didn't panic. The next day it became more surreal because we know he he never stay out unannounced or be somewhere where nobody knew where he was.
1: And then sometime later, he and his mom were watching the news or whatever, and the police found a body in the Chattahoochee River. And the mom just has, like, the terrifying premonition that she knows it's her son Patrick. Right, which is like, is there anything worse? So, yeah, so, like, it's official. It actually is Patman. And, like, Isaac gives us this whole, like, terrible story about how, like...
5: It was official now. Now your brother's dead. No need to hold out hope. He's a statistic now. You don't know who's responsible. You're seven years old. So what can you do? The one person you had, he's gone. And you didn't get to say goodbye.
0: And Isaac's whole thing is like, here's the thing about my big brother, Patrick. He never let his guard down.
1: So Isaac is saying like, for this to happen, it couldn't have been a stranger. I know. But remember that Isaac told us that Patrick had told him he had met somebody in the entertainment world who he was like convinced was gonna help him. So put a pin in that. We're coming back to that.
0: Right. And he's not a hundred percent wrong that people in the entertainment industry are a little unsavory. Right. And I say that as someone who's in it <laughs> and who's like made a living being in it for some for quite some time. Like, but the point is, like, everyone is on edge. This is happening more and more. And by the end of 1980, Atlanta has a curfew for kids under 15 years old. So they can't be on the show street anywhere between 11 p.m. and 9 a.m. Yeah. So they start running this nightly PSA on TV in the Atlanta area.
6: It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are?
0: It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? And I remember this growing up as a little a little adorable, hopefully adorable little girl in Queens. And it felt like, I dare you to go outside, little kid. Like, I dare you. It felt like such a threat. And so, also, a lot of our talking heads are, like, very famous rappers and hip-hop artists. So we get Big Boy from OutKast. Wait,
1: remember when I texted you earlier today? You're like, what about this rapper and this rapper? And I was like, girl, I swear to God, I only know the Indigo
0: Girls. You don't know Big Boy from OutKast? I was like, you know the song Heya, and you didn't no. answer me. So Matt, if you could play some I Heya know. real quick, that would be great. One, two, three. Hey-a. 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 Oh, I do know that song. I do know that song. Yeah, well you didn't answer me when I texted you about it. So but but big Sorry. boy but big wow. boy, but big boy from Outcast is like
7: It's 10 P.M. Do you know where your kid is? I'm like, we be looking at TV like, we home.
0: Bitch, I'm home. Right. <laughs> like, Because it's like, it's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? And big boys, like, no one in their right mind is on the street right now.
1: Yeah. And I just want to back you up and say, like, watching this PSA is terrible. The way the guy says it, his voice is terrifying. Yeah. One of the other talking heads that I didn't know was like, I told my mom I wanted a BB gun. <laughs> also, yet another bad idea. So we learned as we're moving into 1981, the murders are increasing and not just like the murders, but like, I kind of couldn't understand what they were trying to give us with this statistic here. And
6: then you go into 81 and then the the space of when a, a, a child was missing and then when he was found, it began to get closer and closer. You know, like first it was like every two months and then it was like... Every two weeks.
0: They're saying the frequency was increasing. Uh, The point is he's kidnapping and killing more and more children. So they're being found sooner than the three and a half weeks that we originally thought. And so Danny Agin, who's one of the cops who actually cared, Bob and Danny are like duo. He's like,
4: This investigation revealed to me that the person who did this uh, was a psychopath and a monster. This guy is vicious. He's evil. He's a threat.
0: The person who did this, I'll say it. I'll stand up and say it. The person who did this was a psychopath and a monster. He's vicious. He's evil. He's a threat. And I'm like, thank you, Danny. God, can Danny run the fucking press conference?
1: You know what? I'm going to let Danny be your undersheriff. I think you and Danny would make a great team.
0: Danny's retired. Danny and Bobby are fine. I want more women. I don't... I, Danny, like, thank you for caring, but I don't need another white guy on my force.
1: Great. So, January 5th, another kid goes missing, and we learn his name is Luby Getter. And this is the first kid that's gone missing since the FBI has been involved. And one
3: of the FBI guys is like... The pals that be got together and said, you know... Maybe we ought to search some of the dumping grounds in the Atlanta area. The Atlanta Police Department knew where the dumping grounds of bodies were.
1: You know what I think we should do? We should actually go search some of those dumping grounds in the Atlanta area. Because
0: there are so many of them, every dumping ground. And I'm like, cue the floodlights. I just want to hear that sound. When they all turn on, they make that stupid sound.
1: Girl, did you catch the name of the road the dumping ground is on? Did I? Red Wine Road. I was like, (laughs) how did I miss that? I don't know. I was like, wait, so you're telling me that the dumping grounds are on Red Wine Road? Just open a bar. Just open a bar on Red Wine Road. It it sells itself. You want to go down to Red Wine? But that's hard to say when you're hammered. You want to go down to Red Wine? It's not
0: not really going to work.
1: Just open a bar called Floodlights on Red Wine Road and we won't have to do this anymore.
0: Open a bar called Floodlights.
1: So they go into this dumping ground on Red Wine Road. They find a body. Then they find another body. And they're like, yeah, this is like, we are in the middle of a murder investigation. Like, let's go. And
0: finally, FBI Joe, I don't know what changed, maybe the endless amount of bodies that they kept discovering in the same place. Like, by accident? But finally, FBI Joe is like...
3: That was the moment that we said... Yeah, we're on now. This is it. We're in an active murder investigation. The serial killer's out there. Time to strap it on and get going
0: okay. Enough is enough. This is an active fucking murder case. They're ready to go.
1: So you guys, we're back to Isaac Rogers. Remember, he's the one, his brother is Patrick Patman, the performer. So he has this insane story girl about one night, he says he goes to the neighborhood store but then we find out that the neighborhood store is actually just the apartment of this woman named Willie Mae who sells candy to the kids. Uh,
0: Miss Willie Mae, excuse you. She's the candy lady. She's the candy lady. Isaac says she was the sweetest lady and I'm like, "Oh, what a cute unintentional pun." <laughs> It's really sweet, and he you know he doesn't mean it. He's just like, she was actually the sweetest lady, but she was like a matriarch figure. Like,
1: everyone loved Miss
0: Willie Mae. I love Miss Willie Mae.
1: I love Miss Willie Mae too, but like, he's seven years old and he's out after dark, like, I just hate it. And his brother's missing. Yeah, I know, right. I think even at this point, they know the brother's dead. Like, they know that like his brother's been killed, and so he tells the story that he goes to Miss Willie Mae's house for candy, and she lives like on the upper level of their housing development. Right as
5: I get ready to walk down the stairs, this guy steps out, and he, he blocks me from going down the stairs. And so immediately, the panic set in. And so I turn around, and I ran back to Ms. Willie May
1: Immediately, He's like, I knew what was going on. I knew my brother had been killed by some creep who's, like, kidnapping kids. And he just immediately thinks it's the kidnapper. And he, like, runs back upstairs to Miss Willie Mays' house.
0: And he's screaming. He's like, oh, my God, it's him. It's him. Help. Like, because this guy's, like, menacingly walking up the stairs, but very slowly and deliberately. Like, fuck
1: off. It's like a Michael Myers thing is what I was thinking. You know, like, in, like, scary horror movies. They just the-
0: casually walk. Like, you're running and yeah. panicking. <laughs> like, you know, you're right.
1: You should panic. Which is what Isaac does. He runs back to Miss Willie Mays' door. He's banging on the door. He's like, it took her forever. This guy follows him up the fucking stairs. Miss Willie Mae opens the door and like this creep is just standing there like five feet staring them down. But he gets a good look at the guy and he's like,
5: I remember his afro was uneven. It wasn't crispy. I remember the rimless little glasses. And he had on his tweed suit coat with the patches on the elbows. I hate that jacket to this day.
1: You know, his hair was kind of crooked and he was wearing one of those tweed jackets with the elbow patches. And I got like a good look at this guy and he went away and just put a pin in that. And
0: of course, Miss Willie Mae is like, I got you. I got you. It's all good. Like takes him in, hugs him. It's like this whole beautiful moment, but it's like beautiful and horrifying at the same time because he like looks at Isaac. He looks at Miss Willie Mae and he just like disappears into the night. And Isaac says, I'll never
5: forget him. I'm have Alzheimer's, but I will remember that guy.
0: I will remember this face until the day I die with that stupid hair and that, those stupid patches on the elbows, which I never liked either. And he was like, I will never, ever forget this guy.
1: I laughed my head off when he said I could have Alzheimer's and I'll remember this guy forever. Like, I thought that was like the best way. Like, it was so terrifying. And see- it was so real. Yeah, totally. So the months go by, you guys, and like the body count is just building. And so as they're continuing to find these bodies, they're finding more of these fibers. Remember they found like the fibers on the shoes of the one of the victims they're finding these fibers they're carpet fibers and they keep
0: sending them to our boyfriend larry at the lab
1: who i love it he comes back yes
0: 24 year old larry at the lab is like give (laughs) me the fibers his life is fibers fiber they're the smallest little things and then like one of the cops bob is like these fibers are going to be a big deal in a couple years i know the technology makes no sense right now i'm super ahead of my time just focus on these goddamn fibers i promise they'll need something and larry's like girl okay and so that's where we are with the fibers And that's what you missed on Glee. Right.
1: (laughs) And so the media is starting to report that they think that the cops internally are using the fibers to connect the bodies. And so all of a sudden, the bodies stop turning up in the woods or behind like a dumpster. They are turning up in the river. And they're saying...
4: The perpetrators always follow the news, always follow these stories. And as a result, then started to throw the bodies in the water to wash the hairs and fiber evidence
0: off of them. Because, as someone tells us, they always watch the news.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Especially in the 70s, 80s, whatever, like pre-internet. They're always doing these terrible things and then sitting home and reading the paper and turning on the 6 o'clock news and waiting to hear about themselves because they are so empty and dark inside. Did I take a turn or...?
1: It's a good turn. So this is when Agent Mick McComas comes up with this idea, like that, you know what? He's dumping bodies in the rivers. We're going to stake out the bridges.
4: I lived on a river. And I do know that when you throw something off the bank of the river, that if you don't get it into the mainstream, then it's going to come right back to the side. So I said, you know, I wonder if this guy is, is... Tossing them off a bridge.
1: And so basically, like what they do, they have this whole system worked out where like two cops will be underneath the bridge and then on either end of the bridge, they have these like chaser cars. So if they ever hear like a splash in the river that sounds like a body being dumped, then they radio up and they're like, oh, we just like whatever the guy on the bridge just dumped a body, go get him. And
0: the thing is, this all sounds real well and good now. But when Mike and his partner came up with this plan, they're like, I live by rivers. I I totally know how it works. Maybe he's dumping bodies off bridges. And so they go to FBI Joe.
3: And they said, uh, we want to cover the bridges. And I said, well, how do you know you're going to have the right bridges? And they looked at me. They looked down at me because I was sitting down. They said, well, do you dumbass, do you have a better idea? And I says, not really. Not at the time. Go for it.
0: Hey, dumbass, got a better idea? And he was like, noted. I certainly don't. Go for it. I love the idea. Even FBI Joe, who's here, like Mike and his partner are not here. But I love that (laughs) that FBI Joe was like, they call me a dumbass. And they were absolutely right to do so.
1: I'm with Joe. It doesn't make any sense how how they do this. But you guys, they end up picking the right bridge. Because they've got 30 days on this plan. And once that 30 days is up, it's over. Like, they're getting nowhere with this. And so on the very last night of this operation, Mike McCoy comas and his partner are under a bridge they hear like a huge splash at 2 55 in the morning what do we say nothing yeah. good happens
0: at 3 a.m unless I you're know. a witch like myself and your right. coven happens to be doing some <laughs> shit don't worry about it the witching hour yeah but it's 2 55 a.m there's a splash and one of the agents is like
3: campbell hears a splash and campbell was a high school swimmer and he said that's a body hitting the water he knew what a body sounded like and he looked up and he saw a light on a bridge and he radioed to the policeman working on the other side. Is there a car on the bridge? Yes, he's just starting to move.
0: I swam in high school that is totally a body hitting the water. I know what it sounds like when a body hits the water and I'm like okay god.
1: I know. What a weird thing to like realize in the moment you know too. You know what I mean? So they radio up and they're like we heard a huge splash. Is there a car on the bridge? And they're like actually there is and he's pulling away. He's pulling away from the side railing of the bridge. Like this car had been stopped in the middle of the bridge at the railing. And so they're like "All right, like follow him. Let's get this guy. They follow this guy for two miles
0: but they don't do it's not like the woo it's no sirens they're not speeding right. they're just like he's going slow and creepily so right. we'll go slow and creepily too and i'm like how is it not like saturday night at a gay bar on that fucking bridge i want confetti right. i want sirens i want shirts off i want chaos i want beautiful shirtless chaos on that bridge and i see none of it if you I just don't know why they're following his lead slow and creepily down the bridge. That's what I don't get.
1: And they follow him for like two miles. They finally pull him over. And you guys, this made me gasp out loud. The cop goes over, like walks up to the driver's side window and says,
4: I said, do you know why we've stopped you? And he said, yeah, it's about the murder of those children, isn't it?
1: So you guys this is where we're ending our episode one episode two is available right now and ad free on patreon at the five dollar level you guys this gets bananas we figured this was like a good cliffhanger moment right uh yeah when someone says
0: of course I know why you stopped me because I killed all those kids like yeah (laughs) I, I kind of want to know what happens, and, I, and I'm and i here.
1: Stay tuned, girl.
0: Stay tuned. Uh, you guys, we did episode one of, girl, what is this called? It's a little confusing because there are three episodes of this, but it's uh-huh. our episode one. So it's yes. like our first part of the coverage of the Atlanta child murders on ID. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well said, girl. Thank you. <laughs> I, I still, they're just ellipsis and question marks in my yeah. head.
1: Like, oh, did I do it? Great. Listen, you nailed it. You guys, Thank as you. we said, episode two is available right now in ad-free on the Patreon. It's where you'll also find over 150 full bonus episodes of everything from what, Girl, like Making a Murderer, Don't F with Cats. Tiger King, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, Fear City. McMillions. Did we say The Jinx? The Jinx. It's every every series you've ever wanted us to cover. It's right there. This is always the, the thing where I'm like, we don't have to tell them what's coming up next because this is coming up next. Oh, the answer, the response to, yeah, it's about all those kids I
0: kidnapped and murdered. That's why, <laughs> That's how we start the next episode. The answer, like what follows that? He didn't technically, technically he was like, yeah, probably because somebody murdered those kids. But I read it as the (laughs) subtext is, do you mean all those kids I kidnapped and murdered?
1: Exactly. That's what he said. That's it, girl. Tell them where they can find us.
0: They can find us at truecromobsessed.com. That's where all the merch is. We have brand new merch. All the money's going to charity. Don't even show me that money. I don't want it. We're donating it. All the episodes are our calendar of like what's coming up next on the regular feed.
1: Fully updated, you guys.
0: Fully updated. I know because I called Steve out unintentionally on the the Tuesday (laughs) live. I was like, you guys, we're doing Athlete A. It's on the calendar. And Steve commented. He was like, sorry, I didn't update it yet. So I didn't mean to. That was like an accidental call out. But all of that. And then you are at Patrick Hines on Twitter. And... No? Yes. At yes. Patrick Hines on Twitter and Patrick Hines
1: underscore on Insta. And you're Jillian with a G and all the things. Oh, you guys, on Tuesdays at noon, we're going live. We're calling it Ladies Who Lunch on Instagram where we're just like hanging out and talking and talking true crime and the episodes and whatever. Come join us. Yeah, it usually rains where I am, which is weird. That's been <laughs> That's a trend true. that happens. It's, very it's usually witchy.
0: God is usually like girls and I'm like, girl, I know. And she's like, girl. And I'm like, girl. It's a very, we have a conversation you and every have a Tuesday. Thing. <laughs> we have, yeah, we have a thing.
1: Um, You guys know, preview this week so just stay tuned for the outtakes and we love you
0: we love you thanks for hanging we'll see you next week and we'll yeah. see you like it like 10 times in between at least Exactly.
1: <laughs> at least all right bye Bye. wouldn't it be great if Bernadette Peters had been the narrator for this though?
0: if she <laughs> is everywhere like I feel like most of the time the answer is unfortunately Bernadette Peters is not here totally. I always <laughs> want Bernadette <laughs> Peters to be here and it hits even harder now into I the woods know. unfortunately <laughs> There's no Bernadette
1: Peters. Sheriff, you've got the floor.
0: He says his afro was uneven. He was like, it wasn't crispy. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I believe Isaac when he says that that is a bad fucking look. Also, don't be a murderer and don't be a creep and don't chase a seven-year-old up a flight of stairs in a creepy way. He's also named Mike McComas as a half-Irish person. I really resent the Mick McComas. His name is Mike. (laughs)